Hello and welcome to the Squeaky Bum Time Podcast presented by the Top Football Club channel and the Football Tonight Podcast. We are recording this on Sunday, November 5th. I am your host, Laurent Cortines. In this episode, United and Ten Hag squeak out a win. City dominates with Doku and Liverpool laps at Luton. But first... Arsenal wind their way to a loss after being beaten up by Newcastle. And we'll get to that and VAR right after this. Okay, first, please like, share, and subscribe the show. We all love it. We need you. We need you to join. We need you to be a part of this. Uh, the Top Football Club, Top FC channel on YouTube is growing. Chris is going his Magpie channel. We've got La Liga. We've got Serie A. We have more football than you can imagine. Check out and search for Top FC TV on YouTube. Join us and join us wherever you are. Of the almost 1,000 folks who have subscribed to our channel, it's growing and we need you to get to 1,000 because it's great. Okay. Um, I'm going to start at the top with our friends at Arsenal v. Newcastle. An incredible game. The One of the better nil-nils you'll see. A lot of fight, a lot of spirit, a lot of elbows, a lot of action, a lot of just great traditional English football. Fists flying, not fists, but elbows flying, hard tackles. Havertz almost gets sent off. Bruno should have been sent off. He throws flying elbows. He pushes guys down. And it was a great game, a, one of the better nil-nils you'll get to. Not a lot of creativity, but just a lot of spirit. Um, if you know my show, me and Mike used to talk about this all the time, but this was an English game. This featured Englishness through and through. And as I watched the highlights, I actually counted the number. Newcastle has seven English players in their starting lineup, which is a lot for the Premier League. You don't really see seven and eight players out of an eleven to be English, but Newcastle, I think, represents the way they play of the most English team of the good teams in the Premier League uh, with an English manager in Eddie Howe, and they showed force, and they showed energy, and they showed everything that um, St. James's Park represents for the Premier League right now. And on the other side, Arsenal showed a lot of spirit and fight as well. They went head-to-head with with um, Newcastle and met them with force. I think an early exchange between Saliba and Joe Linton was really strong, where Linton came out second best, but there weren't a lot of chances. Um, the first 15 minutes, Arsenal really kind of took Newcastle out of the game, I'd say. I think it was a really sort of tame game, and Newcastle couldn't really get a foot on it, and it was a little bit trickier than I'm sure they would have liked. But Havertz going in and getting a yellow card on about 25 or 29 really lifted the game up. And then there was a bit more fight and a bit more uh, spirit in the game. There are not many actions in this game. There's really just the one incident that we'll get to at the end. Um, and it, of course, involves the goal. It, of course, involves VAR. It, in course, involves everything that I hate about it. It involves a debate. It involves all the things that I've been hating about VAR since <laughs> I have been railing against the great and powerful VAR. But on a narrative basis, this was about as good a loss as new as Arsenal's going to have. They're not going to go to St. James's Park and win games. They played with spirit. They played with fight. They didn't leave anything out on the pitch. 
Could they, should they have created more? Yes, they, they're missing Odegaard, who's super important, but they got a really interesting and strong performance from the defense. I think Saliba, Gabriel were fantastic, along with Declan Rice, constantly picking up scraps and running a ball into the attacking end. Uh, on the Newcastle side, Jamal Lascelles has been immense since he's come back into the side. You know, you thought without Botman, hey, maybe maybe Newcastle would flounder. They didn't, um, but it, this was just a good match. I really enjoyed every minute of it. It really just was a fun game. Everyone showed the qualities that they have. Almiron's running. Um, Callum Wilson's fight and putting his back to goal. You saw... Declan Rice doing his thing. I mean, we saw Havertz still being Havertz, but Enketia sort of trying to run the channels. Martinelli trying to do things. Saka, I think, had a quiet game, to be fair, but the back line for Arsenal was really good, and the Raya thing still is not quite as energetic as it should be. And in fact, when you look at the timeline of this match, nothing happens until 37. Kai Havertz comes flying in, tries to kill Longstaff, and then there's three yellow cards that that Newcastle got for arguing. And that's really the sort of sum total of the first half. It was really all Arsenal in the first 30 minutes. Then there was, after the card, Newcastle had a few chances and the half ended with Gabriel Martinelli taking a shot on target. There was only one shot on target in the first half. That's it. Second half, more balanced until um, until the only other shot on goal by Anthony Gordon which ended up being the winning goal. So there were only um, two shots on target the whole game. So you can imagine this was a bitty, choppy game. This was not a game for analysis. This was a game for fight. This was a game for passion. Dan Byrne falling down. I loved it. It was fantastic. Uh, Chris and I, Chris did the watch along, and I sort of chimed in all over the place. Um, I think the big thing here is how do we referee games and what do we want from games? Um, I thought I thought that um let's see the referee Stuart Atwell was mostly trying to be in control of this game. It did get a little intense. I think there was a big the biggest moment was Bruno was the first dive in by Havertz. Could he have been sent off? Maybe. I'm glad he didn't get sent off, first of all. Uh, I want to see good teams go 11 v 11. Uh he made the movement of a red card play, but because he didn't hit the player and only got him with his trailing foot, it was a yellow, which I think was fair. If he'd hit him with his leading foot, that would have been a red every day, all day, twice on Sunday. And then the other controversial moment is Bruno Gamaresh really losing his mind and running past Jorginho and just throwing an elbow at his head. Um, Not seen, not called, not reviewed. It was a red card offense. I'm frankly glad they didn't call it, but it was a red card offense. And that sort of led Bruno on this sort of rampage where he another play pushes um, pushes Jorginho with two hands hard in the back. That should have been a yellow. It was a yellow. And then another stiff arm later on into Fabio Vieira's throat as he's on the ball. So three different incidents, all could have been yellow cards. He ends up with only one. How he doesn't get kicked out of this game is beyond me. I'm glad he wasn't, but Arsenal fans can feel like, hey, what the hell was that? That's one piece, okay? The next piece is the goal. The goal comes 
from a long range shot that goes. I I, I want to get this right because it, it has a very funky little sequence, and I believe yes, it's a shot by Joe Linton that sort of ricochets out and is pull. It 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 almost goes out of bounds, and then Joe Linton takes a sh- takes a no 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 that's not right. It sort of goes out of bounds and it sort of ricochets around. Um, it could have gone out. It was inconclusive. Then they play it in. Joe Linton goes for a ball on the edge of the box. Raya's kind of off his line. It bundles to Anthony Gordon, who comes in and fires at home, point-blank range. The goal goes in. There are three phases to this play. Was it out of bounds? From some photos, it looked like it was, but you need the top-down view. It was unavailable. Not out of bounds. The next issue was, did Joe Linton push um, Gabriel in the back to get over the ball? My thought was no, as I initially watched it, because I thought that they were both going for a header. Gabriel was stooping, and Joe Linton was over him, and he had his hands on him, but it didn't feel like a push because I think Gabriel was bending over and trying to lift his head up. And then the other one was an offside call that we couldn't see because the ball was sandwiched between two players. So that is the gist of Arteta losing his mind. His reaction to it after the game is really where we sort of get the drama of the game. He looks half in tears. He calls refereeing a disgrace. He Then Arsenal puts out a message today saying, we stand with our manager. Like, it just... VAR has lost institutional strength as a unit. I think it's it's really indicative of these are institutions, right? Within a football game, there are probably four or five different pillars of the game. There's the supporters, there's the club, there's the manager, there's the players, and there's a the referee. And they're both on both sides. So that's five and then the referees in the middle, right? The, the away team, blah, blah, blah. And you need all those things to function to have a game. You need supporters that are cheering and give energy. You need a manager to put in tactics and you need players to execute those things. And you need them on both sides. And you have a referee to adjudicate the game. And that is an institution in and of itself. The institution of refereeing and the adjudication of the rules is now teetering. It's fraying because of the nature of VAR. Technology makes us feel like we should have precision in rulings that we should always get everything right and in the case of this arsenal game the arsenal support is feeling like what's the point of this because none of the angles within the disputed areas of their goal the offside the push and the ball going out of play were definitive they all felt like hey why don't we have these plays? This is crap. Why doesn't this work? On the field, they called it. The moment was there. It was great. Then they spent five minutes trying to figure the thing out. First, was it out of bounds? Was it a push in the back? Then was it an offsides? They couldn't adjudicate any of those things because they couldn't tell. And so you feel like, what is the point of VAR if all of it was, I can't tell, so I can't make a ruling? So what was, for most of history, because we're now only on year five of VAR, what was, for most of history, a good goal that was called, the fans cheer, and we go on, now becomes a bigger issue than it should have been. 
I don't think people really realize what VAR does to the brain. It's a technology thing. It makes you feel as though we can get all the calls right, when in fact, we can't. And so when it goes wrong, it goes wrong worse because technology gives the illusion of precision. The illusion of precision makes the disappointment that much worse. The illusion of precision makes the disappointment worse. When we didn't have precision, and it was just a man in black making calls on the field based on world-class athletes running as fast as they can, trying to score goals in each other and throwing balls and elbows and all that stuff, and then making the call, we could accept their adjudication because they are only human and the game moved on. But VAR has undone that so that we are more expectant of fair outcomes. And now we're not getting them. So it makes us feel like, what is the point? And I agree. I loathe VAR. All I could think about was Anthony Gordon scoring that goal, being at the Gallagate the Gallagate end, and having to wait as a supporter, having to wait and not knowing anything. And what makes football function is its moments. If you can't do it in two seconds, don't do it. Football should repeal VAR, go back to the drawing board, and make it something that happens at speed. If you can't figure it out in 30 seconds, don't do it. If you can't figure it out in 30 seconds, it's not an issue. Play on. I hate it. I don't want it. I enjoy the championship. I enjoy the USL. I enjoy everything about this. I enjoy everything about this. Hey, Lewis. Yep. Four and a half bloody minutes we had to wait. Can you imagine four and a half minutes to lose a moment? That is what makes football football. This is why we can't become fans. Is for those moments. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if we had VAR for the Aguero goal? Can you imagine? He was offside. There was a penalty. He didn't go down. Can you imagine? VAR for the World Cup in 1966 when clearly the ball went over didn't go over the line. Can you imagine? I can't imagine it. And I think we're seeing it in a lot of sports. I I I was on a podcast yesterday with Seth Everett of uh MLB Fame and Sirius XM Radio. Well, that'll come out on Wednesday. Um and he was discussing, you know, basketball. NBA basketball is awful with reviews. They don't seem to know what makes people like sport? The Premier League doesn't seem to know why people love football. They think it's the results. They think it's wins and losses, but it's not. It's the moments. It's the feeling. It's what makes you cry. It's what makes you have joy. It's what makes you jump up and down. And without it, well, whatever. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I agree, Lewis. I, oh, he, he was at the game. It was a bloody joke. Three attempts, and they try not to give us a go. Yeah, it was madness. I, I just can't with, with VAR. Anyway, uh, thanks for Lewis. I'm so happy to have you. Please, folks, please join in. Uh, tell your friends. Tell your wife. Tell your kids. Tell everyone. But going through the VAR, going through that game, let's get to the quickest minute in sports. 
as I go through the Premier League scores that we have to go through. Uh, Fulham, nil. Manchester United, one. Um, United didn't play well. United didn't really do anything. United got the win, and that's all that mattered. I watched the last 20 minutes of this game. Didn't do much. Bruno saves the day. This is typical United. United live on moments. Bruno's a great player. He saves their ass. Sheffield United, two. Wolves won the great, powerful Sheffield United. Get their first win of the season. I'm happy for them. Great scenes, but I'm gutted again for for Gary O'Neill and Wolves. Nobody has been fucked by VAR more than Wolves. Uh, Ollie Norwood puts it away in the 100th minute, and Fabio Silva crying because he gave up the penalty. It was not a penalty. It shouldn't have been. Then my beloved Manchester City and Count Doku, the destroyer of worlds, beat Bournemouth 6-1. Doku, one goal, four assists. He's got more assists than Jack Grealish has had in two years. Amazing. Then my beloved Vincent Company sets the record for futility. 0-6 at home, losing at Pal- uh, home to Palace 2-0. Vincent Company is now on the fired list. Then the mighty Everton under Super Dyche. Gets a 1-1 draw with Brighton. Lewis's, Lewis Dunks called off goal for offside. Was one of the worst things I've ever seen. Um, I was angry. I stopped watching the game after that. VAR, why are you taking away goals? Brentford 3, West Ham 2. A great game. The Kings of London. Brentford are something like undefeated in London. They're like, you know, 10 games unbeaten in London. Kings of London. The Brentford Bees and our aforementioned Arsenal 1-0. Today, Nottingham Forest defeat. The great and powerful Aston Villa, 2-0. Man, Steve Cooper, I love you. Uh, and then Luton draws one, is it, was it 1-1 or 2-2? I don't remember. 1-1 against Liverpool. A great near win for Luton Town. They'll take that draw all day. Uh, Diaz with the goal in a heartfelt moment uh, in squeaky bum time to tell support for his father. And tomorrow, we still have Spurs, Chelsea as the big, big, big game of the day to go. Okay, where do we go next? Let's go to today's game, Liverpool uh, versus Luton Town. This was a really poor performance by Liverpool. I think all the, the Scousers can admit that. They know it. We know it. It just was not good enough, but it did have a nice feel-good story of Luis Diaz in the 95th minute getting the win and we also had obligatory in all Liverpool games. We must have a ridiculous Darwin Nunez miss. Mo Salah has got to be like, we got rid of this guy. Give me Bobby Firmino. He's ready to come back. I know he is. Uh, no, Nunez just missed a sitter that uh, that Salah put on a plate for him. He headed it across, set Nunez up on the half volley, and he skied it. He was five feet away. Uh, Ty Heath Chung gets the goal for Luton. On an amazing break from the corner, they break in numbers. Luton are the best suited of the promoted teams to stay up. They have a way to play. They are defense first. They play long ball. They have the infrastructure and look of a team that will stay up. But will they? And then when you look at Bournemouth and and Burnley, they look like a teams that are like, we won the we won the championship. Let's play football. Daniel Farka and Norwich tell you, you think you can play until you get to the Premier League and then you get your head kicked in the dirt. Luton have no such illusion. They're on like 10 promotions in 20 years. They know what to do. 
uh, and Luton on the break were a thing to watch. Kenilworth Road, uh, they really deserve their draw, and they almost got the win. It would have been the most famous win in Luton history, but this did show the weakness of Liverpool away from home. They just are always going to have problems, whether it's giving up a goal that they shouldn't, whether it's having a hard time breaking teams down or Darwin Nunez missing. Away from home, they've got draws in them, and that is always the weakness of Liverpool. You can ask Manny. They lost leagues because they would draw away from home. At Anfield, there's no team better in the world than Liverpool. Away from home, they're liable to get a draw here or there, and that's what sort of knocks them down just a peg. You cannot win the Premier League drawing away to Luton. You've got to stomp them. You've got to put them to the sword and make them eat their own souls. It just can't happen. It just should never happen. Uh, we are glad that Luis Diaz seems to have some light in the tunnel. We know last week his um, his mom and dad were kidnapped. Uh, they did bring his mother back. And now I believe his father is very close to being returned. It's really gross. It's really terrible. Uh, it's how the sort of uh, political factions within Colombia fund themselves. They kidnap prominent people and pull money in uh, that way. So just a little bit of a story there, a little bit weird, a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, not great, but great for Diaz to get the goal. Um, amazing stuff there. But Liverpool, that draw is going to hurt. They do get the late goal, which gives them a little bit of euphoria, a little bit of happiness. But when they look back and they're on a trip back to Anfield, they're going to go, did we really just draw and almost get a clean sheet against us, against Luton Town? That can't happen. It just can't. Uh, it just can never happen. It's really bad result for uh, Liverpool. Listen, they had 24 shots, six on target. I mean, they dominated the game, but. It just can't happen. It's just one of those, it was going to be one of those days, you know, where you just don't get it done. Uh, they had their best group out there. Maybe Joe Gomez shouldn't be there. You know, I think that there's lacking some of that magic creativity still. I don't think Trent Alexander-Arnold is doing enough. Uh, Salah's been the creative hub for the team, but they're not getting enough that they need uh, to win the games they expect to win. Um, I think it's kind of interesting in that way. Let us go to the early game. Um, this was a forgettable game. Uh, Fulham, nil, Manchester United, one. There's really not that much to talk about. The only thing left to talk about is the story. You know, I think Ten Hag has always, if I remember correctly, and this United team. <laughs> oh, my God. So many comments. Uh, Robin Hood, Klopp is probably the greatest baller that ever lived. He has to go absolute for all. Klopp a disgrace. Allison missing. Oh, my God. Robin Hood has gone nuts. Uh, nu <laughs> Nunez doing his Stevie Wonder impression. I mean, that is offensive. Uh, Salah, I don't know what you're up to, buddy, but you're fired up. Good for you. Uh, I don't think that Klopp is a bottler. He won the Champions League, and he won the league with Liverpool after 35 years. So, Robin Hood, take it easy, buddy. Just take it easy. Anyway, um, Liverpool did play, did, did get off the schneid. But we're talking about United now. Uh, United... This was a get it over the line. It didn't matter. They just had to win. Uh, they lose the XG battle, uh, which goes to show you how little they created, how little they actually did. I did note something in my mind is that when Wambasaka plays in defense for United, they are a much, much more solid defensive team, but they lose that little bit of extra creativity. 
So weirdly, Johnny Evans is now preferred to um, Varane. I don't get that, but maybe Ten Hag knows more than I do. I like Johnny Evans. I used to like him when he was with Leicester. He's a great passer of a ball, but the idea that that happens, there was a weird offside call that uh, McTominay almost scored a goal. So, I mean, in some sense, United did sort of get ahead of this game, but they pulled it out. They pulled it out. Uh, I thought Garnacho was decent. Again, he started on that side. There was no Rashford, apparently injured, not benched. But, you know, we'll see what happens there. <laughs> oh, my God. This guy's nuts. Um, I don't know what Robin Hood's saying. He's just, I've got someone spamming me uh, across the board uh, on my live feed. You can't even imagine how many posts he's got. He's got a funny little face there. Uh, this guy, but he does seem strange. I am freaked out by him, but uh, I'm just showing uh, clop out. It's time to go. Serial loser. Always the bridesmaid, never a bride, even though he has trophies. So um, weird that. Um, but you can follow us along on uh, on, on Top FC News uh, for, for that stuff. But yeah, um, United just not quite there. They get the win. They move on. Uh, I noted that they probably needed to win three of their next four to sort of right the ship. Their next game is against Luton. In between that, they have a Copenhagen game. If they lose the Copenhagen game, they're probably out of the Champions League. And then um, then we've got another round with them for, um, for the Premier League before the international break. And then they have Everton after that. I thought they needed to win three of the four. Uh, it, I, don't ex- I, don't, I now don't expect them to beat Everton. I think Everton are actually in good shape, much more cohesive. But... United are still living on moments. I suppose they can just defend and try and hope one of their players does something amazing. They may not score what we'd like them to score, and they may not play the way we'd like them to play, but I think Ten Hag has got to just be like, I cannot give up goals, and let's be super solid defensively and try and start from there, almost as though he's firefighting and going into a small club um, and, and starting from there. So. We'll see how things are um, with United and where they go from there. But a win is a win. They get where they need to go. Uh, United live to fight another day. And they are not the banter club <laughs> of the day uh, for now. For now. I think this this Chelsea-Spurs game will be a, a banter club battle. If Chelsea lose badly, I think Chelsea moves up the banter club rankings. Basically, after every match week, you want to not be the club that's on the banter patrol. Uh, and right now United got off the banter b- patrol. And so they get to, um, they get to have a respite from that. <laughs> um, but you know, that's just neither here nor there. Um, I do want to move on to, um, my beloved Manchester city who just, I mean, listen, there's dominance and then there's dominance city basically don't drop points to, uh, Bournemouth. I think it's 18, no, with 18 unbeaten, 12, 12 wins in a row. So it was not expected that um, we would lose to Bournemouth, but I did not see a Jeremy Doku masterclass. He absolutely took over this game and said, I am here, I am in the Premier League, and I'm the best player on the best team today. And he did that every time from the left side from the right side, left foot, right foot, four assists and a goal. Just an incredible performance that really sort of starts to make you question, 
Jack Creelish is 28, 29. He's a different player, but is he going to play again? Like, you can see from City's players. It was just like, get it to Jeremy. Get it to Jeremy. The players on the pitch know what's going on. I listened to the Let Me Talk podcast with uh, Mooney and um, and uh, and and uh, Lee, the uh, City reporter for The Athletic, and they were both discussing how much the force of the player of Doku's talent is is pulling his teammates to give him the ball. Uh, Pep said in a small-sided game, he was playing against Kyle Walker and skinning Kyle Walker, and that it sort of made his teammates stand up and go, okay, Jeremy Doku is the real deal. Uh, he sort of came into the side a little bit later, but he's really helping us forget about Riyad Mahrez. Bye-bye, Mahrez. We don't need you. We've got Doku. Uh, an incredible performance. Just he reminds me of St. Maximin, but not crap. Like, the end product is there. There's no, like, extra hip swivel. There's no, like, I beat you, then I wait for you, and I beat you again. When he beats you, he's direct. He moves. He puts the ball, the next ball in. Um, I think he makes a huge difference for City. And he's now become that player who creates problems for teams sitting deep. He can make things happen. He's a lock picker. Uh, what an incredible performance by Jeremy Doku. I was just giggling through the whole game. Uh, of course, he and Bernardo. Bernardo's last goal, Bernardo Silva, the chip on the crossfield pass from Doku. Then Bernardo goes another through the final third and chips the keeper. Just an incredible finish. You know, I was kind of worried about United, about City and their sort of ability to put teams to the sword. Um, but they hadn't done it. And so we finally did have a six-goal performance. Someone was going to be on the end of a hiding. The fact that the fact that City scored six and Holland didn't score any is just goes to show where this team can be, what kind of damage it can do. Um, just what about you know? <laughs> yes, uh, Robin Hood. You've stopped complaining about Liverpool and you've said something normal. Yes, Rodri. Without Rodri, City don't win. But uh, we did have that three-game blip. Now he's back, and now we're winning again. Uh, greatest, great player, uh, in fact. <laughs> oh, so Robin Hood, you are a City fan. Thank God. Uh, the greatest city in the world when City were in third gear. Agreed, the greatest treble in the world. We didn't get out of third gear. We just stomped all passengers. Uh, that second half of last season was a thing to behold. Although the final was a bit meh. Everything else was incredible. The Real Madrid, I think, is the Real Madrid two legs was peak city where they just annihilated freaking Rodri. And now with Holland, with Doku, without KDB, he's going to come back in the second half. City are winning this league, even though I thought they wouldn't. What I see from Arsenal, I don't see a championship team. The only team I see that is a real champion right now is Manchester City. I can see a, a loss of Rodri as being a problem, but I think that with John Stones, City would find a solution eventually. Uh, yes, they lost, but they also didn't have John Stones for those games. Stones would move into the midfield and become that second pivot because he did it in the Champions League final. Uh, I can imagine him um, doing it. It was just amazing. So, City cruising. Arsenal dropping points. Liverpool drawing. Man United off the schneid. Uh, but still, still playing really, really badly. <laughs> uh, I do want to get to the Kings of London, the great and powerful Brentford winning 3-2 uh, against West Ham. 
this was really a fun game. Uh, the Nathan Collins goal to win it was fantastic. But my friend and yours, if you are a long-term fan of the Squeaky Bum Time podcast, especially the days with Mike Salerno, I had a lot to say about Neil Mope. Neil Mope, a, a shit healer, a troublemaker, the kind of guy who'll bang your girlfriend and she'll like it. He had gone 14 months without scoring a goal and finally, finally gets his goal. He had play, been playing with Everton, missing open goals, playing with Brighton, missing open goals, and finally gets his goal. So it's a party for Neil Mope. Hide your wife, hide your girlfriends, hide your children. Neil Mope has scored a goal, and he's going to try and score with your family. Uh, again, Muhammad Kodus is Kudus Muhammad, excuse me, is a fantastic player for West Ham. I think they've sort of solved their Mikel Antonio problem by playing Jared Bowen in minimum. They scored two goals. Bowen's was fantastic. Kudus is one fantastic. Uh, the the own goal from Mavropanos was an unfortunate. He tried to flick it over the bar, gave Brentford a different goal. But Brentford are tough, tough, tough. This is a really, really good team. Um, and still, along with Brighton, I'm never going to stop talking about it. Brighton, Benham, Bloom, and Brentford, the bees of the Premier League, two teams linked forever by their analytics, by their gambling owners, by their letter Bs, two of the best-run clubs in the Premier League, one doing it with consistency, with style of play, with spirit, and then you have Brighton with their great recruitment, their stylized football, and really pushing the envelope of what's possible for a smaller club. Both Brentford and Brighton are two teams that if you want to study football about how it's done, how to upset the cart, those are the two teams to do it. Uh, Brighton only gets the 1-1 draw with Everton, but Enver Everton are on a resurgence. Mikalenko gets a goal. Ashley Young, the own goal. He just sort of shimmied it after Matoma Cross. But I think Brighton are a little bit not creating anymore. They were, had been winning all their XG battles, uh, but haven't been anymore. There's a lack of consistency in the lineup. There's a lack of that sort of like week to week, 11 on 11. I think Deserby's searching, trying to find the right group. You see Dunk with Van Hecke, Dunk with Webster, Dunk with Igor. We can't figure out what, what the right pairing is. We see Gross at fullback, and then sometimes we see Lamptey. Veltman was back in the side. So there's a lack of consistency. Uh, I think there's a weird missing of Danny Welbeck. Danny Welbeck was really good at dropping deep and sort of creating things. Uh, it's tough. It's tough when you're a small side uh, to lose really good players. But I, I trust a lot in um, in Deserbi, and they'll figure it out. But the thing about this game was the dunk goal on the cross, on the set piece that was disallowed. What a volley. Should have been a goal of the week. Should have been a goal of the season candidate for Brighton. Instead, VAR fucks it. I hate VAR. Please. Please, God, get rid of that thing. I do want to give a shout to a few underrated players that I find are really, really good for Everton. And if you're not watching Everton, you're not going to know about these players. The two that I really love are Braithwaite and Garner. Garner has changed that midfield for Everton. They just don't have that lightweight sort of problems anymore with Decore not having to be in there. They now have someone who can take the ball from defense and move it forward. It's not trying to run all over the place. And then the other one is um, Jared Braithwaite. Anything to get Michael Keane out of the side 
was going to save this team. So thank God he's gone, but they have an actual defender. This is one of the great things of Daesh. He creates really valuable defenders, and they'll probably sell him uh, and get a big, a big money move. The next step for them is they've got to get Ashley Young off the field. Uh, you cannot have 38-year-old fullbacks playing. He seems to either get sent off or give up an own goal every week. He's just not someone who should be playing. I would try Patterson. I would try uh, just anything. Ben Godfrey at fullback. Just anything that's not him. And we know about Tarkovsky. He's a Premier League legend. This Everton team is finally a cohesive unit. They look like they have a way to play. Uh, and I actually like seeing it. It's a diversity of play. It's a 4-4-2. It's Daesh all the way. Uh, and then for the other side, Deserby. Uh, Deserby, um, I'm worried. Not worried about him, but I, I do worry for Brighton. They're kind of sliding into mid-table. My, my prediction of top four is, is slowly but surely disappearing. They're only five points off, but I just don't know how Brighton is going to do it if they can't. Uh, if they, <laughs> yeah. If they can't get this thing going. Um. <laughs> oh, Robin Hood's saying he doesn't. No, the thing with Mope, uh, Robin Hood, is not that he actually does it. It's just that he looks like it. He reminds me of a guy that I knew in New York City who was this French guy who used to go to parties at my friend Austin's house. And he would say terrible things about women. And I think that Mo Mope is that man. So uh, it's just my own prediction on Mope. Mope hasn't done anything. He is not in Giggs' world. But uh, I do like him. He is a shithouser. Uh, he is a troublemaker. And I would imagine my projection on Mope is that he would try and steal your girlfriend or your brother or your wife or your kids. <laughs> I do like him. I do like Mope a lot. I, I just, I like all those Brentford guys. I like, I like, um, I like Tony and I like uh, Ollie Watkins. I love all those dudes. They're just fantastic, fantastic players. So we touched on, uh, let's touch on Burnley Crystal Palace. What am I going to do with Vincent Company? I love you, Vincent Company. I really do. But your team makes a mistake in the back every game to give up a goal. And as much as I love Koleosho in his creativity, in his running, you don't have a nine. You don't have someone to finish those goals. Uh, I just don't see where you're going to score from. It's all pleasing, pleasing, pleasing. But you're not winning the XG battle and you're not defending well enough. And you're just not good at anything. And so I'm starting to worry for Burnley. Um, flash, plain flash in the championship. It's just not the same. You can't do that in the Premier League. Uh, I think had if company had been given time, maybe he could have gotten the team to play. But I think that you, you still have to get results while you're doing it. And I think this might be... Uh, a step too far. I think, you know, there's only so many Deserbies. I thought that company did a great job, but maybe he's more a Daniel Farka than a than a Deserbi, where Farka was like a a play uh, a progressive attacking front foot possession football manager for the championship, but not in the Premier League. And he's still in the championship. He's doing it with Leeds now. I don't know where Farka is managing, but it doesn't matter. Um, but not in the Premier League. You've got to get way more pragmatic. You've got to find ways to find wins, right? Get points, get draws, scratch, claw, punch, kill. Play the way Newcastle played against Arsenal, but as a team getting promoted. Play the way Luton played 
fight, scratch, claw. You know, um, Steve Cooper at Newcastle tried to play, had to change midseason, fight, scratch, claw, play on the break, play with pace, get the goals, find a throw-in guy, do whatever it takes to get points, or you'll be out of a job and you'll get fired. I'm really worried for Vincent Company and Burnley. Uh, they may be pragmatic. They may just sort of think, oh, it's okay. It'll go down. No big deal. But you've got to put results together. You've got to be Roy Hodgson. That's how Roy Hodgson is now managing in year 50. He doesn't F about. This is his team. We go, we play, we win. You know, he's got guys like Will Hughes and Decore and Jefferson Lerma. Those guys aren't going to let anything happen. And they go and kick ass. They survived um, Crystal Palace without their uh, their talisman in Eze. He's back now. And I think we'll start to see the more progressive attacking Palace that we saw. They got two goals, one from Schlupp and one from Tariq Mitchell that allows Crystal Palace to sort of stay right smack in the middle of the table uh, while they treaded water, waiting for their more creative players to come on. So exciting times for them. Uh, I do have to go to Wolves and Sheffield United. Man, Gary O'Neill, I love you, man. I really do. You are showing the world what an English manager is capable of. You have strength. You have character. At the end of games, we want to hear what you have to say. So there's a little bit of leadership that comes through, and you've took that Bournemouth team and kept them up. And now we see where they really are. You've taken this Wanderers team that had a top class Lopetegui level coach who had won everything under 21 in Spain and was the Real Madrid manager, was the Spain manager, and you took over for him and you've improved Wolves. But this no Neto game, uh, I felt like he, Wang had a shot. He kind of fluffed his lines as he tried to. Uh, yeah, Huang He Chen. He had a moment to sort of try and score and missed it. Um, Archer had a really nice goal. Bella Guards was also good. So this game looked like a draw in 89. And then poor Fabio Silva. Same kind of penalty as the one last week where he's trying to clear it and he just is kind of in his box, back to goal, kicks out, steps on a player's foot as they're making a clearance and trying to drive away. And, um, uh, Gives up the penalty. Norwood finishes it. Oliver Norwood finishes it. Uh, and it's their only shot on target for the whole game, Sheffield. It's on a penalty. And they get a chance to... Uh, oh, sorry. Norwood's is not counted as a shot on target. Even a penalty. Okay. That's weird. Uh, they have two shots on target. One is a penalty. Uh, <laughs> but Wolves didn't create as much either. No netto, no party. Um, we saw Kaladzic play up front, did half the game. My boy, Tommy Doyle, uh, in the midfield, Loney from City, always plays well. But Fabio Silva, their $50 million man, he never really gets it done, and they just yak it. And Gary O'Neill's got to be crestfallen. They're fine. I don't think Wolves are going down, but I, I keep I keep following along in the Gary O'Neill story because I just really like him. I really think he's interesting. I really think he's funny. And I really think it's good to have varieties of managers and varieties of of coaches. Yep. <laughs> Gary O'Neill, a Don 100%. For real, man. Just a good coach. Uh, I think it's a good time. I think 
the sort of England setup, the sort of recognition that there was something wrong with the coaching has produced good coaches. You know, we have Potter now, we have Howe, we have Gary O'Neill, we've got a, we've got Dyche, we've got good English coaches that I think can move up a level. I think, you know, even to a lesser extent, Postacoglu is not English, but at least he's, it's not a foreign, it's not a, it's not a continental manager where Spain is teaching us how to play. Where where an Italian is is bringing it, um, <laughs> Big Sam. Yes, of course. Never forget Big Sam. I'll never forget Big Sam. I love him. Uh, he's number one number one pick on the. Uh, if I had to have a fight and needed a manager, Big Sam or Dice would be the one and two pick. I'd like actually to see Big Sam and Dice fight. I think that would be really good. Really good bottles. Uh, I think Dice might pull a switchblade. I think he's that type. Uh, I don't think he'd be he'd fight fair, even though he looks proper. I think when it push came to shove, he would slash Sam because Sam would try and hit him with a with a with a pint bottle. So tough. I really do want to see that one. That's a good one for me. Uh, but you know, I think the days of Big Sam are are over. Uh, and then of course Hodgson is still in the league, doing really well. There's still and Luton's manager look the most handsome man in the universe. Uh, he's doing a good job. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but that's okay. Doesn't mean I don't know who he is, and I haven't been watching him. I know what he's up to. Uh, good stuff there. And then we do have to talk about uh, Villa. Villa in fifth, really trying to push, really trying to get a week of everyone was talking about Villa and then laying an egg at um, <laughs> at Nottingham Forest. Listen, Forest is not an easy place to go. I'm not taking a shot at Forest. But like Liverpool, uh, going away to Luton, you cannot lose or draw those games. I mean, in in the case of in a case of uh, Liverpool, it's just a draw. Fine, that's not as bad. But Aston Villa going and losing uh, is just really bad. Uh, Alina's goal was fantastic, but Aston Villa unable to create anything. Uh, only three shots on target. Only thirteen shots in total. A great performance by the Tricky Trees, who are a real thorn in the side, in the bush, in the tree. Of anyone, especially at home, uh, they get O1E back, and he made a difference. They still know who they are. They know how they're going to play. And I think you know when we look at the relegation battle, uh, Forests are not going down. Wolves are not going down. Fulham are not going down. It's between Luton, Bournemouth, Burnley, and Sheffield United. It's really only those four. They're already cut adrift. Um, you know, uh, Everton already has eleven. Already a five point. A gap between Luton and the rest of them at the bottom. So it's going to be those three, three out of those four, unless something happens. I could see Wolves getting pulled down just because no Neto, no party. Um, he was that important to the team. Uh, I don't think Fulham's going down there unless if Paulinha goes in January to Bayern Munich. Remember, he was in Bayern and they pulled back the deal. He literally flew to Bayern and got pulled back. Paulinha is that important to Fulham that I think without Paulinha, Fulham could get pulled down. They're, you know, it's that big a deal. Uh, but otherwise, it's really just between Luton, Bournemouth, Burnley, and Sheffield United who's going to stay up. And right now, as I as we get into the horse race, it looks like Luton Town will be the stronger of those group because they know what they're in for. I think Bournemouth and Burnley are still delusional and i don't think sheffield was ever even in this fight 
because they never bought any players. Whereas Burnley and Bournemouth, I think, think that they can play their way out of this in some different fashion when really this is a knife fight and they're bringing like, you know, uh, uh, you know, slingshots and fancy stuff. No, you got to go in there, punch the biggest guy in the face and then stomp his head. Otherwise you're going down. So um, I think Luton are prepared for that. They're all on only one win. Uh, Everton's on three, but uh, we'll see where things go from there. Bournemouth are on the rack. Let's see. Uh, Fulham are bad without Paulinho. They are in massive trouble. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You can't rely on a DM. <laughs> they would be better, been better selling Paulinho and keeping Mitrovic. Yeah, I think, you know, Harrison Reed is still really good. I think he could do like a 80% of the job. He's not even playing anymore uh, around Fulham, but Paulinho is just a real dawn. Like, you should not be playing that. Like, if I kept on thinking Liverpool should get him, uh, uh, Arsenal should get him, uh, any of these teams, Spurs, anyone who gets Paulinho, the fact that he wants to go to Bayern just goes to tell you how good Paulinho is. But, you know, he's already 29. He's kind of a, a bit of a late bloomer. Uh, agreed with you, Bournemouth around Iraq. Iraola had done such a great job in Spain, I think. Um, people thought, perhaps, was it Vallecano? It may have been Rayo Vallecano that he was at. He brought them up two levels, felt like he was doing something. But, you know, Spain is such a different division than the Premier League. He thinks he can play. The fact is that that Bournemouth team should have went down last season. All the underlying numbers, everything underneath it, said that they were the worst team in the division. But Gary O'Neill f- had magic in that team and found a way to get things done between Billing and Solanke. Billing is just not... He's not utilizing him well right now. He's not taking those shots from long. He's not running in from deep. He's not affecting games the way you really, really need Billing and Solanke need to lift Bournemouth up. And everything about them should uh, should have, do that. They have less of a league, and it's been a monopoly for so many years. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, Spain's no way the Prem. Agreed. Yeah, the other thing, if you look at the numbers, Spain is the oldest division in the league. Oh, let's see. Oh, we got a different guy. Hey, Richard. Luton Town 1-1. Darwin Nunez isn't good enough. Can't finish. Very bad first touch. Luis Diaz rescue LFC. I pray for Luis Dad back in safe hands. Yeah, we talked about this, Richard. Um, yeah, bad performance by Liverpool. Uh, our friend Robin Hood considers uh, Klopp and Liverpool all fraudulent. All, everything about it is bad and smells. Um, but, you know, this is the problem. I think we, we, we look at Liverpool. We see them. We believe that they should be title contenders. We think that that's all there. There's a lot of rebuilding. They still have that weakness of away from home. How <laughs> how do they find a way to win? How do they not have these low energy performances? How, who lifts them up? Who does it? It can't be Salah every time. Although, if Nunez puts that goal away, they probably win. Uh, but Nunez... My friend, you are no Bobby Firmino. Uh, you may think you're Bobby Firmino, but I think what you need to do is shave your wispy, freaking weird-ass mustache, cut your hair, and just go full, like, Beckham-shaved head. Like, be badass. Like, you're Uruguayan. Like, show some mu- muscle. Don't go with the long hair and the mustache. Go shaved head, like, skinhead style, and just go, like, Michael Owen, you know, 1998 style, where you look badass. You're going to score the goals instead of sort of being... Uh, fancy. <laughs> uh, thanks for chiming in. 
Uh, the Stevie Wonder in disguise comment just gets me every time. I don't think you're allowed to do that anymore. Isn't that like we're making fun of the disabled? I don't know. <laughs> um, I'm not sure if I missed any games. I don't think I did. Uh, we have a preview, obviously. Tottenham v. Chelsea tomorrow. I don't know which version of Chelsea is going to show up. We know what Spurs are. We know Spurs are not injured. We know they're going to go full hog. We know that they're going to leave things open in the back. We know they're going to try and score. Um, I do know that Chelsea are a very, very good defensive team. I don't trust Sanchez. Uh, away from home, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. My guess is a draw because really Spurs fans can admit this. They know it. Listen, they've got the wins. The points are in the bank. They've been very, very lucky. Uh, Vicario has saved so, so many shots and so, so many goals. Um, I don't know. English referees are not good enough in the Premier League for vetting process and recruit referees. Uh, Richard, let's see. Yeah, I think it's weird. I think I agree. I don't understand why you can't have the best referees in the world. What is preventing non-English referees from being in the Premier League? It must be some law. I don't know. I, I, I should probably know this, but I don't know. Uh, why do they have to be English? I know there's one Australian guy, but why isn't it literally the best referees in the world? Like, let's take an exam. Let's go through a vetting process. Let's let's make it like American Idol. Who wants to be a referee? Like, let's do this. Let's make it happen. Like, what? who wouldn't? Let's go, YouTube. I put this challenge to you, YouTubers. Make a show called Who Wants to Be a Referee? And through, you know, let it be hashtag United. Let it be, you know, one of these local clubs. Let it be Wrexham. Let it build up. We put the referees in games. And as they win and as we vote, we sort of figure out who the best referee is. And then we slowly but surely get, you know, we only need like five good ones to go along with the ones we have, right? There's only 10 games a week in the Premier League. We only need 10 guys. We can't find 10 guys who want a referee. Uh, oh, the Referees Association. Yeah, they want a lot. Well, you know, that's a case for getting rid of unions, but I don't want to get rid of unions. We need them. Um, I think it's just, it's just, you, referees are usually the laggard in the system. Anyway, Chelsea, I don't know. I'm going to go with a draw because I just believe in Pochettino, even though I know that Spurs are better. I just, the luck's got to run out eventually for Spurs. It just has to. They can't possibly be this good all the time. <laughs> oh, Richard, I feel bad for you if you really believe that they're that the sport is corrupt, fixed, take backhanded, and are rigged. I don't think they're that smart. You're giving them way too much credit. They're dumb morons who couldn't ref their way out of paper bags. If you think they would take money, they would get caught immediately. They're too stupid to rig the games. I think they genuinely do want to do a good job, but like I've said before a million times, we all watch our individual teams a lot, and we all want our teams to win. And anytime something happens to our team, we feel like it's hard done. Every manager, every club, from Luton to freaking Wrexham, on to York City, Hereford, uh, down to freaking Sunday League, everyone thinks the refs are out to get them. I don't believe that um, the refs are rigged. I just will never believe it until there's evidence that says they've literally thrown a game. I know it's happened in Italy. That's a different story. That has a culture of rigging things. England does not. 
there's a high level of integrity, frankly, that we saw in the Super League with the f- supporters standing up and saying no. And so I think if any amateur person was involved in the rigging of games, I don't think the referees would do it. I don't think the referees would do it. Yeah, it happens. I know. It's very tight. It is. It's very, very tight. And it's hard. And that call was really difficult, by the way. That Newcastle game was really difficult. Those three items, there was no conclusive evidence to overturn it. So that's why I say, just get rid of VAR. What is it for? Who cares? It doesn't have to be perfect. It's just football, right? Is it for the gambling companies? I don't know. Anyway, okay, Robin Hood. (laughs) Robin Hood thinks I'm wrong. That's fine. We can all disagree. Richard, thanks for chiming in. Thank everyone who's watching the show. There's at least six of you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, And I'm going to sign off with my regular goodbye. That was the Squeaky Bum Time podcast with Laurent Cortines. We are the Premier League wing of the Top Football Club TV YouTube channel and presented exclusively by the Football Tonight podcast on FCTV on YouTube. We record on Sundays, so be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And if you're listening on Apple, YouTube, anywhere, please like, share, and subscribe. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It means everything. Bye, guys.